Welcome to Tips and Tales, Ski Racing Media's official podcast for the week of October 9th, 2019. I am your host, Sean Higgins, and before we get started, I would like to ask one huge favor of everybody listening. If you enjoy listening to Tips and Tales, please rate and review the show on your preferred listening platform. Tips and Tales is available for listening for free on virtually all podcasting platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Plain and simple, rating and reviewing the show is the easiest and best way to get tips and tales in front of new people, expanding our audience, and helping expose more people to the sport we all know and love. All right, now that we've covered that, on today's show, I had the opportunity to talk with Team X's head of strength and conditioning and assistant coach, Coley Oliver. Coley has a rich ski racing background growing up in Utah, ripping up the Wasatch as a junior with the Romark and Park City ski teams before heading to the University of New Hampshire to study athletic training and ski on the NCAA circuit for the Wildcats. Coley's ski racing really took off in college, standing on several Eastern Collegiate podiums and becoming a first-team All-American during his time at UNH. Coley retired from his competitive days in the sport in 2015 and after completing his studies, headed to Vermont's Stratton Mountain School to begin his coaching and athletic training career. Last summer, the all-female Team X was formed in Park City with the goal of supporting elite-level female skiers and their postgraduate ski racing ambitions. It just so happened they were looking for another coach, too. It was an opportunity Coley simply couldn't pass up, so he packed up his truck and made the move back home to Utah. With strong results across the board from Team X's athletes last season and Dartmouth grad Forrest Peterson even making a World Cup start in Killington, the team showed that they were for real. Unfortunately, the team did suffer a few injuries too, but that is where Coley's expertise as a trainer comes in. In today's show, Coley and I talk about his coaching philosophy, integrating his athletes for training and racing with the national team, and the challenges of helping elite-level athletes return from injury without the support system of a national program. Before we hear from him, I would like to take just a little more time to highlight some of the recent pieces published on SkiRacing.com. Guest contributor Mark Walcott penned a piece for us focusing on how to get the most out of ski racing while on a tight budget. From making a plan early in the season and sticking to it, getting the most out of your on-snow time out of gates, to honing your skills by playing another sport in the off-season, there are a number of ways for you to become a better skier that won't cost you an arm and a leg. Bottom line, it's not about how much money you spend, but how much time and effort you put into the sport. Edie Thies Morgan took a look at how college skiers get creative with their training time in the off-season in order to prepare themselves for a successful winter. NCAA rules actually restrict the number of days student-athletes can participate in official practices and competitions as a team, and over the years, college ski racers have gotten pretty creative in how to get the best training possible away from their regular teammates and coaches. Check out Edie's piece to see just how they do it. Staff writer Mackenzie Moran took a look at female ski racing coaches and how in recent years, more and more women have stepped up to coach at the elite levels of the sport in the United States and how that can be a huge asset for the sport going forward. You'll definitely want to give it a read. Lastly, our resident tuning and waxing guru, Graham Linetto, goes over exactly what you need to know when buying your ski wax for this season. LF8, CH6, HF10. Those letters and numbers can sound like complete gibberish if you don't know what they mean. Lucky for you, Graham's got you covered. 
To read all of those stories and so much more, head on over to SkiRacing.com. And coming up after a quick break will be my interview with Coley Oliver. The single best way to support what we do at Ski Racing Media is through a subscription to Ski Racing Premium. From podcasts and World Cup race coverage to our wildly popular American Downhiller web series, Ski Racing Premium is the engine behind everything we do at Ski Racing Media. It literally keeps the lights on for us. Subscriptions cost $35 per year for unlimited premium content on SkiRacing.com, which includes full-length World Cup race features and many of the pieces you will hear us talking about on this show. If you are interested in supporting what we do, head on over to SkiRacing.com and click the subscribe button. All right, now we'll get you back to the show. All right, welcome back to Tips and Tales. And sitting down with me today, I have Mr. Coley Oliver, who is the head of strength and conditioning, as well as the assistant coach at Team X here in Park City, Utah. Coley, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Yep, thanks for having me. Awesome. So to start things off, I know you're you're a young guy. You've been coaching for only a handful of years now. For people who don't know who you are, give us a little bit of background on you, your background in the sport, how you got to, to this position in the industry right now. Um, so I actually grew up right here in Park City um, in Salt Lake. Growing up skiing at Snowbird, started out there where I started, started racing there with uh, Snowbird Ski Team. Um, and then made the move to Romark and Roland Hall for high school uh, and one PG year and then PG two years with Park City Ski Team. From there, I uh, went to UNH and skied four years for them on their team and then coached actually one year there while I was finishing up my degree. And then coached two years at Stratton Mountain School in Vermont where I was also the assistant athletic trainer. And then when Jim Shabrun uh, the head coach of Team X was building this team. He reached out to me, and it was just too good of an opportunity to pass up. Awesome. And I should mention that you did have quite a bit of success in, in your racing career. You were a first-team All-American, and you finished on your fair share of podiums while you were at UNH. What kind of perspective does that give you now, being that you did have a successful racing career and are now still in it coaching these elite athletes? Um, you know, I think the biggest thing with you know, reaching a, a relatively high level. And recently is it, it helps me put myself more in the athlete's shoes. You know, I've, I've been in the start gate. I know the feelings of, you know, I know the more importantly, I know the feelings of the bad days more than the good days. Yeah. And I think one thing that I noticed not only in my career as an athlete, but during my time as a coach was that sometimes the athletes at the very top that are incredibly gifted and have all of this natural talent sometimes don't necessarily make the best coaches and that things that come so naturally to them can be pretty hard for them to translate to an athlete that may need some more uh, serious nuts and bolts explaining. I'm, I'm interested to get your thoughts on just how the hard work you put in during your career to get where you did, grinding away at the fist level before getting the opportunity in NCAA and then having success there. How does that translate into your coaching and how do you express tactics or technique to your athletes? Yeah, well, I think, uh, you know, one thing that was really cool at UNH is, and, you know, you probably know this in, uh, from your time at UVM, is when you're in college, you have limited training time, and because of that, you get limited coaching. So most of the time, you kind of become your teammate's coach. So I really had eight, nine, ten coaches the whole time I was in college, and we would all kind of watch each other. Um, and from that, learned a lot, actually, about coaching. 
as much as I did about skiing. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And I want to talk a little about Team X now. I mean, I think Team X positions itself pretty uniquely in the, the culture of skiing in the United States in that it is a, a women-centric independent team, elite-level independent team. Um, I think there are a lot of examples on the men's side with, with Redneck Racing, Team America, Global Racing, which is kind of more of a European program now. But Paul Epstein is still uh, heading that up, uh, a Vermont boy himself. But uh, what drew you to Team X and, and what made it a unique opportunity for you? Um, I mean, like you said, Team X is unique in and of itself and because of it being centered around women, because they, like all the teams you mentioned, um, it's the first of its kind only for women. And that model has been proven to work very well. You know, you can consistently see guys with uh, Global and Team America and Redneck continue to have success. And so as Jim was developing this team and then brought myself on board, there was a clear gap and a real opportunity there um, to, to fill in an area uh, for women ski racers that previously wasn't an option. Mm-hmm. And, and kind of just to expand on that a little, you, you mentioned that there was a gap there. And I think we've certainly written a lot here at Ski Racing about how to better utilize that college age, post-grad athlete, particularly on the women's side when it comes to racing in the U.S. And it's interesting to see that this trend isn't necessarily unique to the United States either. There's some talk in, in Austria about the pressure that is put on their young female athletes to perform early as juniors or their shot with a national team potentially being over. And I think a lot of the success of independent male athletes in recent years taking that step up to the World Cup and some even having success making world championship and Olympic teams, you guys kind of saw that and said, why can't we do this with women as well? Yeah, exactly. That was... That was exactly the thinking behind Team X. Um, you know, it was never, you know, the goal is to never replace, you know, a PG program from Park City or Romark or try to butt heads with U.S. Ski and Snowboard. The goal was and has always been to fill in gaps for, for female ski racers. And talking about your role in particular at Team X as head of strength and conditioning in the offseason, what is your role as head of strength and conditioning and what does that entail? Um, so as I mentioned before, I'm a certified athletic trainer. Um, so a lot of my strength and conditioning is centered around that background and, you know, managing injuries we already have and preventing future injuries. So my, my goal, you know, as soon as we're done in the spring, uh, moving through the summer and right now into the fall, as we get ready to get back on snow is, you know, first and foremost to create athletes that are not going to get hurt to a reasonable level. We know ski racing is dangerous and it happens. Um, that happened with our team this year, unfortunately. Um, but that first and foremost is my goal. And then to create you know, a large enough base where they are able to sustain the training volume throughout the season, especially the early part of the season where we're pushing so much volume at such a high altitude in Colorado. And uh, speaking of that, you've been a busy man over the last few months with a couple of your athletes, unfortunately. Uh, missing some time due to injury. Um, talking about that, and and you are training these elite level athletes, and a lot of their peers and competitors are members of the national team, and they have an incredible amount of resources just down the street at, at the Center of Excellence Park City, which you guys unfortunately don't have access to, not being associated with the national team. What kind of 
differences or, or challenges arise when, when trying to manage the recovery of an elite level athlete without the support of a, of a national governing body? Uh, yeah, like you said, it's, it comes down to the resources. Luckily, you know, we, we are in Park City, so we do have access to, you know, Rosenberg Cooley Metcalf practice, um, where unfortunately our athletes have spent a little bit too much time. Um, but yeah, you know, I can't, I'm, you know, the buck kind of stops with me as far as medical stuff. So if someone's injured, it's not, oh, you know, go across the weight room and see the athletic training staff. That's something I manage. And we actually, you know, we're not operating on the, the network level of an NGB, but we do have um, actually quite a few connections within the community as far as physical therapists, the doctors, um, and it's actually worked out really, really well. And how do you coordinate with uh, surgeons, doctors, or a, a physio when you're building out these training plans for an athlete that does suffer an injury? Um, you know, I won't go too much into the the day-to-day detail of it, but it's always a totally collaborative approach. Um, I'm there as much as I can be at the PT, doctor's appointments, um, surgeon's appointments, um, and they all understand here. They know they've dealt with skiers um, so they they know the drill and it's always a collaboration between um, what they're looking for and what I'm looking for ultimately uh, getting them back back to being ready for on snow work Mm -hmm. and when it comes to actually working out with these athletes what what kind of things do you focus on do you I mean do you have a recommendations from the doctor about like or, or just your knowledge in general of what athletes can and can't handle at certain points and do you focus on certain exercises or activities that are outside of the gym uh yeah we do do a lot outside of the gym you know we're in park city so hiking and biking is is a huge part of our conditioning program which works great as biking in particular is relatively low impact um and they can get a ton of revolutions per minute so that's just reps on their on their legs and quads which which is great yeah if i'm if i'm working specifically around an injury um and collaborating with with a doctor or a pt you know they always have recommendations and and steps we need to follow or, or standing orders that i that i will follow from the doctor um but yeah you know a lot of it really has come together quite nicely they're all cleared now for Full, full impact, full on snow prep. Um, so yeah, fall's been going well. Awesome. So, and talking about biking in particular, I know a, a lot of athletes like to, to mountain bike. They grew up mountain biking and, and do that. But a lot of athletes also road bike. And I was interesting, interested to get your take on, I don't know if you would recommend one or the other, but what are the, the pros and cons of each? I know you can get incredibly fit on a road bike but also kind of the, the hand-eye coordination and, and picking out lines and looking ahead on a mountain bike can be a, a lot of crossover to the skiing world. Um, and how do you implement those two types of biking into your training? Yeah, you're absolutely right. And we do utilize both. Typically, um, if it's a strict interval type session where they're going for trying to maintain a certain heart rate or going hard for a certain amount of time with a certain rest interval, we'll do that on a road bike just because it's easier to control um days you know if it's an active recovery day or days where i'm aiming for a longer endurance style workout we'll typically do those on a mountain bike um, because that's something we all do together and like you said it really does challenge their coordination and 
you know, to me, it's one of the few things that truly can mimic the feeling you get skiing. Mm-hmm. And if you have advice for, for club coaches around the country who are maybe dealing with an athlete who has had a, a season-ending injury the season before and is now coming back, how can they best support that effort and, and make sure that their athletes are as successful as they can be when they do get back on snow? Um, it's tough. And I think it, it, it needs to start with a, a good team around the athletes so they have that support, like you mentioned, all around them. And, you know, we are lucky to work with uh, a great sports psychologist in, in Salt Lake, Riley Jensen. Um, and he's been instrumental in helping the athletes and myself, um, you know, develop not just the physiological training, but mental stuff for them as well. So I guess the, the biggest piece of advice um, I can give an athlete would be, you know, don't try to, don't look too far ahead at the road because a lot of these recoveries are nine months to a year, depending on the injury. And that can get extremely overwhelming, especially for a young athlete who's early in their career. Um, that seems like an eternity for them but also to not get too bogged down in day-to-day, you know, take pride in the small victories for sure. But if you're not seeing changes, it could just be because they are small changes and you're not able to see them. And when the season does start, I know with you guys in particular, it can be a challenging balancing act when you have an athlete like Forrest Peterson, who is a World Cup caliber skier. And when opportunities do arise for her to, to get in the World Cup starting gate, and you do have other athletes who are racing at a high level in the Norams as well, how do you balance those, uh, I guess, challenges and relationships with not only the national team, but your own other, other athletes on your team as well? Yeah, it, it can be tough, but you know, luckily we have, we have three staff, um, myself, Jim Shabrun, and, and Cam Fuhrer, who's our uh, coach and serviceman. So we are able to support in multiple different venues if we have to. And obviously with a skier like Forrest, if she's getting World Cup starts, that's something we, we have to support to the highest level. And you know, she raced Killington last year. And so I worked a lot with uh, Magnus and Chris Champney, the women's C-team coaches, um, PK as well. And they were, at, they were awesome at facilitating everything we needed. And, and getting me on hill where I needed to be to support Forrest. Um, so the relationship there has actually been very good. And with Forrest, you know, her taking her away from the group, the other athletes are fantastic. Katie and Maddie under, totally understand the need for us to be in different places. And it'll happen again in the future. You know, if we have athletes that are going to World Juniors, obviously Forrest isn't a junior anymore, so she probably won't be on that trip. And then also kind of managing those relationships. And you said you've worked with Megan McJames, who is a well-known independent athlete for a number of years, made Olympic teams as an independent athlete from the U.S. ski team. Kind of what did you learn from from her relationship with the national team that you're now taking into your role with Team X? Yeah, um, and, you know, just talking to Megan on the side of the hill, she has a very interesting perspective and obviously can can bring something to athletes that that i never could one because she was at such a high level and she was a female so she's literally been right in her shoes uh in their shoes sorry um so that it's really cool to hear her perspective on it uh but like you mentioned i think we are in a really cool time now where that 
you know, high level NORAM, Europa Cup, and potentially trying to break into World Cup, that women's group of American skiers is becoming really strong. Um, so managing those, those relationships is actually easy. It's been great for Forrest to have those, you know, those peers around her, even though they're not necessarily on the same team, but always at the same races and pushing each other. Uh, you know, Nino O'Brien, Trisha Mangan, uh, Keely Cashman, AJ Hurt, Katie Hensian, like there's a really strong group of young American girls that are going to be coming up and hopefully breaking into World Cups. And hopefully that just carries momentum and we keep seeing that more and more. Mm -hmm. And I, I kind of see Megan as almost like a, a trailblazer for athletes like Forrest because when Megan started, it was really unheard of for a, an independent female athlete to even think about in, integrating with the national team. Totally. Yeah. yeah and and you know, Megan was even in a, in a position where she didn't have a team at the time, you know, it was kind of, which was great. To, it was really cool to see her, you know, take, take that ownership of her career and, and say, you know, I'm not ready to be done. Uh, and I'm going to keep, keep fighting for this and keep chasing this on my own, which was awesome. I guess you could say that the moral of the story is that there's no one way to do it. You just got to figure out what works best for you. Yeah, exactly. All right, Coley. Well, thank you so much for uh, coming on the show. That was a great discussion. Best of luck to you and your athletes this year, and we'll see you out on the slope. Absolutely, and thanks for having me. All right, talk to you soon. Bye. All right, that is our show for this week. Thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next time.